Area 31, Roger. Traffic is quite luminous and is exhibiting some non ballistic motion, over. Roger, Aries 31. Continue to send at your discretion, over. Okay, Center. The traffic is approaching head on, ultra bright, and really moving. They're right by us, right now. There are a thousand UFO sightings reported around the world every month. 90% of these sightings can be explained, but 10% cannot. Officially and unofficially, the U.S. military has been investigating UFOs since 1947. Their top secret goal is to find out what's behind these unexplained sightings. The Pentagon classifies them as unusual airborne anomalies, but a better term is X-Files. Join us now as Mac Wanwan and Commander Cobra explore these unsolved cases, UFO incidents that baffle even the U.S. military. This is Mac Maloney's Military X-Files. And now, here's Mac Maloney. Well, good evening, everyone. Welcome to Mac Maloney's Military X-Files show here on the Distant Thunder Radio Network. This is Mac Maloney. Oh, my God, what a show we have for you tonight. But first, girls, I have to let you down again. Three weeks in a row. No JJ tonight. Uh, he's indisposed, as the British say, but I talked to him the other day, and he's looking forward to joining us next week. No Cobra tonight, out saving the world, but our national correspondent, Switchblade, Steve Ward, is here down there in West Virginia. Switchy, how are you doing? And I'm uh, I'm saving the world in my own way. Are you really? Okay. Yeah. By tipping heavy at uh, Dale Evans' restaurants? Is that how you're tipping? <laughs> it's, what's that now? Never mind. Let's move on. So, listen. What, in my, yeah. what the? Yeah, you you sent me a photo today. I did. We can get into it later. But where were you? Just tell me where you were, and then I can. Tudor's Biscuit World. That was Tudor's. Okay. All right. All right. Let me. I'll calculate that, and we'll come up to that later. Also with us is our security chief, Willie Club, WC. Hey, Mac. Hey, gang. How you Great doing? to be here tonight. What junk food do you have on hand? Any tonight? I, I, you know, I always have some things because this show really takes a lot out of me. Go ahead. My, my favorite tonight. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yep. Duncan. Duncan Donuts. What do you got? What's, what's your, what do you got? A jelly in there or something? A jelly and a glaze. We oh, used to call them honey dip. But yeah, honey dip. Yeah. Glaze, no. Can't call it. That's not politically correct. No. I can't yeah. wait for the show to end so I can dig into it. And me neither. You, okay. This is you know, you've heard of ED, right? What? Well, I have something worse than that. I have EDD. What is it's that? It's eating donuts disorder. Oh, really? Yeah, EDD. Yeah. Okay. All right. Frankly, I'd rather have that than ED, but that's okay. Another show. You, I understand you have both anyway, oh. so that's good. Yeah. Uh, also. Yeah, club. also you know, some of this isn't for, for public broadcast. Uh-huh. Come on. Also with us, and we have to uh, welcome her back with sustained applause, our good friend Raven is with us. My friends, it's so good uh, to be back. Great Thank to you hear for your voice. Me. Good to we see miss you. that great voice of yours. Listen, I'm, I'm, I'm getting over being sick, so if I sound like icky, I apologize. Nope. Um, but it's so good to be back. Thank you for having me. It sounds sexy. Hey, listen, <laughs> if you want to know how much we missed you, listen to the shows you're not on. That's all I have to say, really. Okay. I love to do that. I like to let all of my shows just kind of pile up, and yes. then I just listen to them all in one day. Really? Wow. And then I hate myself for a few weeks because then I have nothing to listen to. Oh, okay. But I do it all the time with all of the shows I listen to. Okay. Well, you know, we, we there was a lot of tap dancing uh, for a few shows there. And uh, with, uh, we're uh, glad to see you back. Also, speaking of tap dancing, 
Zooming in tonight is UFO mechanic Arenado. Al Ronaldo. Al, how you doing? I'm doing great, Mac. I'm I'm saving the world too, one one beer at a time. One beer at a time. Interesting. One okay. beer at a time. Right hey, here. listen, at you least know? you're chipping in there, brother. What do you what do you drink what what are you drinking there? Not that uh what do you, you know, the uh, the usual cheap uh, Narragansett. Oh, cool. All right. You know? Okay. Well, no surprise. You got to go for quantity over quality. I understand that. Okay. Um, yeah, that's what it says on uh, over the door at the coma. It doesn't something along the way. So we have uh, a funny field tonight, and um, coming up uh, later on is going to be a good friend of ours, Sydney Bailey Dove, who used to be on the show a lot in the early days. Real good friend of ours, and um, she had an experience that. Um, she wants to tell us about on the radio. She's given me a little bit of information on it, and it's uh, compelling. So uh, Cindy Bailey Doe will be coming up in a little while. Then now later on tonight, we're uh, going to be talking to the mysterious Ashley G. And um, she uh, uh, she and I were talking about this. Um, have you heard about this? There's, there's some mysterious signal that was sent somewhere 10 billion light years away, but is aimed directly at Earth. Have you heard this? Heard something about some it. Some kind of alien. So anyway, I, I just saw the headline and, um, you know, uh, she looked into it. She's going to be telling us about that. And, uh, you know, who knows what else will be coming up. But i got to say one thing. Actually, a couple things in the near. First of all, we're going to start this. It's not a contest, but it's going to be a way to help our friends at Homes for Our Troops. It's just going to be really simple. Uh, anyone who goes on uh, the Homes for Our Troops uh, website and donates more than 20 bucks, I'll send them an autograph book, an autograph Mac Maloney book. Okay. All you have to do is when you donate it, they, they uh, give you the option to put a little note in there. Just say something, you know, listen to Mac's show or something like that. And then, um, you know, contact us and uh, you'll get a free Mac Maloney book, signed Mac Maloney book, and maybe some swag too. Okay. So Home Show Truths, we're just going to do it for a few months, see what happens. They're a great organization. We talk about them all the time. Um, so just go on their website, donate more than 20 bucks, put it in the note, and we'll send you an autograph book, okay? And um, mm -mm -mm, I think that's it for the moment. But one thing I did want to mention is, oh, I know what it was. Um, uh, we, Ma has a book coming out called How to Dump a Body at Sea and Not Get Caught. Um, it's coming out uh, January 18th, so depending on when you hear this, uh, if you hear it before, then you can go on Amazon and order it and get $2 off. Uh, the publisher has uh, asked me to say this. So before January 18th, go ahead, go on there and get 2 bucks off. And then afterwards, uh, it'll be full price, but it'll be available both ebooks and um, physical books on Amazon. And um, we're going to be doing a show based on uh, the book, uh, the making of the book, the writing of the book. In a couple of weeks, Mark Sapul, the co author, is. Um, going to be here and also our agent which should be funny you've also heard us talk previously about how we had a book launch party in december and um some of the people here were there um uh club al black eyed kid x and it was uh as a party where it was, it was us and a bunch of models like 150 models anyway guys it's going to happen again, February 13th. Going to have another model party down the seaport in Boston. So, um, anyway, um, and one other thing. Oh, yeah. So, anyway, so I'm working on a, um, another secret project with our good friend, 
Yeah, there you go. Right, QR code. <laughs> With our good friend um, Phil Orbanes, who is the uh, president of Winning Moves, uh, the game board company. They do Risk and Monopoly and all different variations of it. Anyway, on this um, secret project, I had to do a little bit of research on failed toys, toys that failed to sell. Okay, now he told me every ten out of ten designs, maybe three or four made, maybe ten percent of that is an actual hit, you know. But when you hit, it's a hit, you know. So sounds like I just hit something. But um, uh, so anyway, so the research was funny, and I just had to, I came upon these things, and instead of a top ten list tonight, kind of dive into this. Okay, these are actual toys that. Um, you know, that, that came out and were for sale, but failed. Okay, now, first thing I'm going to ask is, anyone watch, anyone here watch Young Sheldon, the TV show? It's been a while. Okay. Uh, but you know you know the premise. It's actually a pretty good yeah. show. It's actually a pretty good mm -hmm. show. And, um, but he's, um, he's always like, in a few episodes, he's looking for money to buy uranium to build his own nuclear reactor in his garage and he's like a 10 year old kid right anyway in 1951 believe it or not the Gilbert company came out with something called Atomic Energy Lab with a oh, do-it-yourself yeah. do nuclear reactor and they included in the you know in in, in the uh, lab a piece of uh, radioactive uranium <laughs> yeah. okay what yeah oh my god yeah huh and um it didn't sell very well, as it turned out. But no? see, oh, oh wow! I, I've seen I've seen the pictures of it on Facebook. Mm -hmm. yeah. Back then, yeah, I've heard of it. They thought Th radioactivity was good for you. This is real. This is satire. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah really. Yeah. That's wild. And they said that um, um, the reason it didn't sell very well was it cost fifty bucks back in 1950, and that's equivalent to about five hundred bucks today. You know, so uh, it was the price that killed it, not the uh, radioactivity. But back then, they. They thought radioactivity was actually good for you, you know, and um, oh so they sent out little pieces. It's incredible. Um, well, the, the other thing was the, the children that did have it, they started growing little arms out of their shoulders. Really? And yeah. They thought that was it was wrong. Hmm, okay. Good. Thank you. Thank you for that fun fact. Um, what do you think the most dangerous toy in the past thirty years? Has been the is. lawn darts. Oh, the lawn darts. The lawn darts. Lawn darts. <laughs> Absolutely, the lawn darts. And they were fun, though. Did you ever throw one of those? Uh, that know. was a good time. I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> um, between 1980 and 1988, 6,000 emergency room visits due to lawn dots. Holy Half of them, kids under 10. Okay. Well, they just, they had like little arrows, but they had weights on them, right? Did they have points on them, too? Points? They were big. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah they yeah. were like the size of a shoe. Yeah, they, yeah, like they were. I mean, I guess a kid. Yeah, it's heavy. Yeah, well, yeah. It was. It was meant to go into the dirt. You threw it up in the air, and it was supposed to go yeah, head sure. first yeah, inside yeah. a circle that you're aiming yeah. at. Yeah, good luck. But yeah, if it came down on the top of your head, it would probably penetrate. Oh, hang on. <laughs> we used to have the creepy crawlers, and yeah. that was literally just like an easy bake oven, but like. I didn't have an easy bake oven. I got, I had the creepy crawlers because I was always a tomboy, Oof. and they would give you a little tray, a little metal tray, yes. and then the tongs, and you would put it into the oven, and then take it out after it was baking. So you had this metal tray that you had to take out with these little tongs, no like mitts or anything like that. So if you dropped it or accidentally touched it, you would burn 
the crap out of yourself. Yes. But if you made them right and you were patient and you waited, you would get these really cool little little guys, like little centipedes and little like beetles and stuff. Best toy ever. That you could eat? Could you then eat them? No, no. Oh, okay, they were okay. just like, okay. um, I mean, I guess if you really put your mind to it, yeah, you could eat them. Um, were they edible? No. But you would just make yourself little, like, they were these gummy insects. And that was yeah, it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Cool. Um, <clears throat> the other one, uh, another uh, toy that didn't make it in 1969, Power Might Workshop. Working tools, uh, miniature working tools powered by 2D batteries. Technically, they were everything. They were uh, drills. They were buzz saws. They were uh, jigsaws. Um, just the size for little kids. And technically, they were... <laughs> powerful enough to go through balsa wood. Now, if you have a little saw that can go through balsa wood, it's going to go through your finger, I think. Right? Don't you think? Yeah. That lasted, some damage. that lasted one year. That's awesome. <laughs> in um, 1970... No, 1983? I'm not sure of the uh, date of this. Play-Doh Play came out with something called Poop Troop. And basically what it was was Play-Doh in the shape of, uh, you know, piles of dog droppings, let's say. Okay. Poop drool. Didn't make it. Have you ever heard of the E.T. Magic Finger Light? Oh, my God. <laughs> I was in an antique store. Mm -hmm. um, maybe, like, towards around... The holidays okay and i saw one yes but it was like really gnarly so i was like i'm not mm -hmm. i'm not getting that like it, it had seen better days okay the um uh it came out in 1987 and now sells for small fortunes on ebay as a sex toy yeah it's a vibrator it's a vibrator with a the light, light up on. one. A light up oh one. Oh my god, I thought it was Should just like got a it. fun what, little what, what antique store are you in? It is. <laughs> okay. This is just a regular antique store. Okay. I go there all the time oh, and they okay. had it there, but it was like it was banged up. So um, well. you know, this all <laughs> wow. makes wow. Wow. This all makes so much sense now. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know why I was right. Oh man, okay. poor uh, ET. Just I heard that a renegade slinky killed the guy once, but that, that's just oh, another show. Um, okay. I, I heard the Twister. Now, you know, you, I mean, Twister was a success, but that sent a bunch of people to the hospital. Yes. I, I have a friend <laughs> who took his, a shoulder replacement because of it. All right. Here's what? Really? What? Twister. Twister. Twister? Yeah. Like yeah. the mat, right? Yeah. And you spin yeah. and you have to put. Right. Yeah. His sister-in-law fell on him and she weighed 300 pounds. Oh, wow. wow. Oh, <laughs> and he, wow. Ended, he ended up with a shoulder replacement. Yes. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. And I'm sure he's not the only one. <laughs> oh my God! <laughs> he had specific instructions. No one under over 200 pounds is supposed to play. Yeah, you got. Yeah, well, she got him. His arm was extended, and she went to reach for something and slipped. And wow! And huh? he was in the emergency room. That's all I know. Yeah. Thanks. Well, if that's his story. He should stick to it. You don't. But they, they had no regard for safety. I remember as a kid, they made these, they were like giant eyeballs, you know, yes, and you were supposed to, you know, you're supposed to kind of hold them in your eyes, but they're metal, but like sharp metal. Yeah, yeah, if you yeah. were wearing them and felt walked into a wall or fell, <laughs> you'd have these two, two circular cuts in your face. Uh, hey, it looked cool in school, though. Um, all right, speaking about injuries, in 1965, Kenner Toys came out with the Daddy Saddle. The daddy saddle. Oh my! They remade that. <laughs> Did they really? Yeah. Where if your father, the theory is, is the father, you put a, put 
put the saddle on, and the kids are going to want to ride you like a horse, right? But as the guy writing the story pointed out, he said, you know, you could, he says, I'm a father of two young children. You can do that for about a minute, maybe, a minute and a half, and then your back is going to break. And kids want, and it says, I was a fun. On it, so <laughs> you're probably going to find that in the antique store with the finger. I was going to say, you know, you know there's other for sex toys. They had it at the same stall at the same that place. I was looking at, well, now, that now I'm you know they all came it together. Was, it was yes. all sex toys. Yes, <laughs> right. Do you remember a toy called Sticky Finger? Uh, it was like this big long finger, and it was a ball. It would would you would attach to it, and uh, I mean, who came up with this? You know, and they even had a, like a jingle. Yes, sticky finger. Uh huh. That was um, it. What did it do? It was just. Well, it, it, it would uh, catch this ball. I mean, it would uh, somehow like a suction thing or or whatever. Oh. But, okay. <laughs> okay. Once again, you know, a stroke of genius. You might find that in the antique store too, but. All right, the, uh, let's see, uh, right, two more. Um, wow, okay, so um, how can I put this? So you know how like, when, when kids have birthday parties these days, you know, they get them like a jumping house and all that stuff, and they, and they have water slides too, water slides. Well, they have a water slide where you can get it now, where it's, what it actually is is like the Titanic, Titanic going down. Okay, and you slide down the, uh, you know, the deck into the water. All right, now think about that. The guy points out 1,500 people drown when the Titanic went down, men, women, and children. Poor taste. Anyway, all right, bring the ship into the port. Ready for this? There was actually a, a toy called Tub and Toot Baby Doll. Tub and Toot Baby Doll. And what the doll did was, as the kids say, toot in this little plastic bath tub, okay, and discolored the water. Ew! Are you kidding? <laughs> there you go. Oh, yuck. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I don't know. What, who, what? Imagine being in, in that meeting? A great idea for a baby doll. Raven, your reaction was priceless. That was even funnier than the toy. Hey, let's... Oh yuck! I I like they made those things um in like the nineties where you would have the doll and it would like I think it would like pee itself. It would get wet, mm. and I thought those were gross. Like I don't, uh, yeah. I don't like that stuff. Yeah, That's yeah. You, you remember the one that used to throw up? They had one too. You could Did... feed it. Oh it really? Throw up? Huh? <laughs> Did you have to feed her? Anything special or like Dunkin' Donuts? Yeah, it was a green thing, and it, I think it come out both ends. Oh, real? Oh, but it really was. Yeah. Oof. Was it so an exorcist it, stall? It, it wasn't. It wasn't a bean burrito then. <laughs> you never know. That's what it looked like. Um, the other one that I came across is remember a uh, toy called Stretch Armstrong? It's like a rubber yeah. doll. Oh man, I love Stretch Armstrong. <laughs> so. Those things were Phil worked for the company that made them at the time, and it, they were filled with molasses. And that's what, what? kind of made it do what it did. And when it would break, the molasses would leak out. So they actually, like, provide you with little Band-Aids or something on the, in case he started uh, leaking molasses. But <laughs> oh, that's interesting. I, I don't ever remember the little Band-Aids. I just remember you could um, stretch them like crazy. really injure someone with that if you, if you played with it just right. Really? Yeah. Huh? Okay. Wow. We're learning a lot tonight about toys. Um, so anyway, listen, coming up in the next segment, and she's joined us now, hopefully, 
Cindy Bailey Dove, you there, Cindy? Yes, Mac, I'm here. How are you? You're down in Arkansas, right? Yes, and okay. it's cold, cold, really, really cold. Really, yeah. So you, you, you and I used to, we had a little thing going a few years ago. Do you remember that? Yes, yes, I did. Mm-hmm. They made I've us, been coming on your show for 12 years. 12 years, okay. They made us stop it. But anyway, you've um, since, you haven't been on the show in a while, but uh, you went through a life-changing experience recently, right? Yes, I did. Okay, so we're going to take a break. Um, now We'll take a break, real quick break, and then come back on. Uh, we'll come back, and uh, you can tell us about it, okay? Okay. Okay, you're listening to Mac Maloney's Miller on Show here on the Distant Thunder Radio Network. Please stay tuned. So until you hear us next time, this is Mac Maloney for the entire gang saying, be safe, be happy, and... Bye-bye. Okay, the show's over. Hey, Cobra, where are we going to eat tonight? Well, gentlemen, what do you feel like? Chinese, Italian, sushi? How about we go where they have the best hamburger in the world? And where would that be, one one? Only the Starboard Galley. Starboard Galley? They're a great seafood place, but they're in Newburyport, and we're in Exeter. But they're only 20 minutes away down Route 95, and believe me, they have the best hamburger in the world. Let's go. Okay, boys, license and registration. Where's the fire? You clowns going to the circus? We're in a hurry just to get the best hamburger in the world. And where's that, Pally? That's the Starboard Galley in Newburgh. The great seafood place? Yes, but they make a great hamburger, too. And they start with the best people. Super fresh buns. Great toppings. Plus, it's only 20 minutes away from Exeter, 25 from Portsmouth. Not with a police escort, buddy. Light them up, Switchblade. Starboard Galley. They're here. That's the Starboard Galley, 55 Water Street, Newburyport. Great seafood and the best hamburger in the world. And tell them Juan wants at you. Hey, Mac Maloney fans, this is Pistol Pete with some exciting news. Mac has a new book coming out later in January called How to Dump a Body at Sea and Not Get Caught. Is that a crazy title or what? Well, wait till you read what's inside. Now, Mac and his co-writer, Mark Zapula, wanted everyone to know that radio show fans and everyone else, too, can pre-order the book right now on Amazon. And if you do, you'll get $2 off the list price. That's $2 off the list price of Mac and Mark's new book, How to Dump a Body at Sea and Not Get Caught. Now, Mac gave me an advanced copy of the book, and I've got to tell you, it's one of the funniest things I've ever read. It reminded me of The Sopranos, but with a laugh track. And get this, they both swear it's all true. That's How to Dump a Body at Sea and Not Get Caught, the new true crime novel from Mac Maloney and Mark Zapola. Order now and get $2 off on Amazon. Welcome back, everyone, to Mac Maloney's Mill Track Show here on the Distant Thunder Radio Network. 
This is Mac Maloney. Well, what a show we have for you tonight. Let me very quickly re re reintroduce you to the posse. Girls, get ready. Sit down. Get your fans. Get your mister. Get your big box of Kleenex and your big box of wipes. Because he's here, the very famous Juan Juan. Cross the puddle. Juani, how you doing? Hello, Mac. Great to be here. Great to see you. Great to actually see all the girls, and thank you for having me. Wow. wow. Okay. What is that, artificial intelligence? Or something. I don't know. It's artificial. All in one sentence, too. I don't know if it's intelligent or not, but okay. All right. Well, well uh, thanks for joining us, and... Um, also here uh, is Switchblade Steve, our national correspondent. Switch, and it's great to be anywhere. Hello, girls. Yeah, and also <laughs> our security chief Willie Club is there. Willie Club. Hey Mac. Hi gang. I'm excellent. Excellent. In case you were going to ask, I, I was that was on the tip of my tongue. Yeah. Uh, okay. Thanks for joining us. Also here is uh, Raven, our favorite good witch oh, up there in Sideways Raven. Raven. Join, Hi, my friends. Thanks for having me. Join us for the first time in what seems like ages. <laughs> but it was like a month, right? Or so? Yeah, I think it was like a month. Okay. At some point we'll talk about, uh, you know, what happened, you and Hollywood and the people who made Bobby. But it's another show. Also exactly. with us is uh, UFO mechanic Al Ronaldo zooming in. Hey, Mac. Hello, everyone. And um, also in the studio with us, our virtual studio, is a very good friend, and give her a round of applause. Cindy Bailey Dove. Cindy. Hello. It's great to be here, guys. Thank you so much. Let me just um I'm so humble. The um let me just um intro Cindy for people who might not know her. Uh, a long time ago, uh, she's telling me it's twelve years ago, we were on uh, a lot on um KGRA, which this show is still heard on, and uh, we became good friends and you used to come on uh, the show, this show, uh, often, and then um, it's been a couple of years since you've been on, and uh, you get back in touch with me, and you told me that you had a life-changing experience. Is that right? Yes, that's correct. Okay, so can you tell us, you know, what happened, what got you into the situation, and what happened when you were in it? Okay. Well, first I'm going to talk, I'm going to go see what happened, and I'll tell you about my near-death experience. Now, I hope that my credibility with just stating the facts over the years. Yes. You know, well, give this, because I'm telling you just exactly facts. Okay. On November, Saturday night, I had a little fever. Okay. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, everybody's had it. It wasn't no big deal. Well, I went to tell my father goodnight. And about an hour later, he came to check on me. I was unconscious and barely breathing. Jeez. That day had been completely normal. I called an ambulance. When I got to the hospital, I was DOA. They, we, I went to a little county hospital. So they hooked me up to all machines, and I was in a coma for seven days. Wow. They told, well, they told my family that I had zero chance that I was going to die. Okay. What, what, what was so, this, from, Cindy? Was it from COVID or was it from something else or what? No, um, I had contacted some kind of super bug. Okay, it's one mm-hmm. of these things. It's supposed to be one in a million. You no, know, like getting run over by a bus, and my whole body was filled with infection. 
uh, blood sugar was 800. Wow, wow. Okay, so go ahead. Okay. So, so you were in a coma. Now, that day, I was walking around normal. Anyway, I, um, I, we went to this county hospital to go into Little Rock. They put me on the machines. So they put me on life support, ventilator, and everything else. Okay. Well, they basically, I was on there for seven days. Mm. And they uh, told my family when they took the machines off, I would die. Well, not only did I not, I woke up. Mm. And I saw my family was in there, and I said, what happened to me? And nobody would tell me. Well, that was Friday. Saturday, I was completely awake, speaking normally. I got up and walked down the hallways. What? These people mm. were just coming from all over the hospital staring. I thought, what is going on? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and now, uh, I, I was clearly normal. The doc- so the doctor came in. She sat down. She said, we can't find a thing wrong with you. She said, even though she said, Friday, I didn't feel it. She said, we didn't do anything. And she said, um, you're a walking, breathing miracle. Mm. Did not only is it a miracle you're alive, but you're walking up and down the hallway. You should be in the hospital for another two weeks. And she said, what? I said, what you, what's talking about? So I didn't really understand what. And then she started crying to me. Right. So that it was a miracle for I just got up. Second miracle, I started walking down the hallways. Um, I had no brain damage. I had no speech impairment. So she told me, she said, we didn't do this. We've never seen anything like this. And I said, you got to be kidding me. She said, no, never. And she said, I've been practicing for 30 years. And when did she this said, happen? Brought back for a reason and a purpose. That has nothing to do with us. Yes, yes. Cindy, when did this happen? How long ago? It was November the ninth. This, this that Saturday, November ninth, is this, gonna happen. Really? This past November? And, uh, okay. And, and yeah, I mean when you were in the coma, what, did you did, go ahead, I'm sorry. Yeah, what when you were in the coma, what happened to you? Did you you know, see the well, light and so on? Tell us. My deceased relatives were there and they started talking to me. They told me I was a place called the Shadowland. I said, What is that? Did you see a place for life and death? I said, you mean I'm about to die? What happened to me? I don't have a clear answer what they told me. This is what I'm uncomfortable with. But they told me, said, we're sending you back. You're healed. Um, you have too many people that you still have to help. The world is full of hate. Remember, all of these messages, okay? Now, some these messages, I could, when I woke up, got out of the hospital, I called them. I had to, and I would describe the person, and I'd tell them, I don't want to be getting in your life. This is what I have to do. And I'd tell them the message, and every single person was shocked. I didn't have anybody tell me I was crazy. They were saying, that's my mother, that's my uncle, that's my grandmother. Mm. And I had, well, and it gets even weirder. Uh, there are people that I have not met yet that I have messages for. And when I see them, I'll have to tell them a message. Okay. Now, this is never, I've never talked about this on air. This is not the first time this happened. Go ahead. Okay. So, this runs in my family. Uh, it, I mean, so, both of my grandparents, most of my grandparents, most of my great grandmothers were talking. My great grandmother was a famous talking, by the way. Anyway, so, I, that's when they told me, they healed me. 
And, and I was healed. And sent you back? They sent you back? They said that to you? Yes, they sent me back. Hmm. Yes. It, it, and I said, I have to go back. I want to go back for my family and my grandkids. Sure, they yes. They told me that I have, um, there's people I have to help. They told me this place I have to go. Were you a religious person before this? Yes. You were, okay. All right. And so. What, I'm, not, I'm spiritual. Okay. Yes. All right. And you, so you must be really spiritual now, I'm thinking. Yes. Okay. Did, um, do you feel that it, this, it, it sounds like it's life changing to me? Well, yeah. I mean, um, I'm completely at peace now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've kind of had chaotic energy because I'm a kind of a hopper person. Mm-hmm. Not now. Um, things that bother me before don't bother me at all. That's good. That's the way to live. No. Listen, these Cindy, these... I, have, I have a question. Okay. Go ahead, please. On the people that you met that had messages, do you know had they recently died, or you know what was no, the so, length of time in wherever they no, were? No, some there? of these people had been dead for years. Mm-hmm. Really, many many years. Wow. And what I did, I would describe the person because I could see them, mm-hmm. and then people would just gasped. And I had pictures. People that sent me pictures. And they were exactly to the T. Right. Where do you but think you were? Were you, were you in like a purgatory or something? A, a no. Where were you? I, I guess you could, they call it the Shadowland, but I guess it it's a place when people are wandering between life and death. Yes. They told me they go to this place. Now, I, I tell you, it was shadowy and it was in the forest, but it was like an elderly, everything was dead. Hmm. Okay, and I never saw the light because I, I never see it over. But the place was was basically between life and death. They could find anyway. In the anyway, middle. I could have stepped in to the other side. Yes, yes. So I was, not only was I sent back, I was sent back healed. One hundred percent healed. Wow, that's crazy. Okay. Hey, Cindy, um, uh, Juan Juan is raising his hand. He wants to ask a question. Juan Juan, you have a question? Okay. What do you th- what do you think about this whole thing, the near-death experience, Juan Juan? Well, I got to tell you, Cindy, I think you and I are kindred spirits because I think everything you said is 100% correct. See? Thank right. you very much. Have you had a similar experience? No, oh. but okay. it'll come. I thought he was going to say dozens of <laughs> well, them. <laughs> let, let me add, Cindy. Go ahead, Juan Juan. Multiple books by psychiatrists, psychologists, and medical people that attest to exactly what you just said. Yeah, well, you hear about those, these stories all the time. The, these One of the messages wasn't for uh, Mac, uh, the Cowboys, and the Super Bowl plus <laughs> Yeah, right. I mean, that Friday when they took all the stuff off me, I could not even lift my hands to eat. Saturday... I was normal. I was eating. I was going up and down the hallway. Everything. I was completely healed. That's a good. They could not find the thing wrong. Come back. That's a quick comeback. And you know, these days, especially. Well, that's what the, the doctor was telling me that they never seen anything like that either. Right. Hey, listen, Cindy. I mean, Cindy, I want to. Uh, I'm, sorry. I'm sorry. I want to thank you for uh, for joining us. You going to hang around with us? Sure, I will. Okay. How's your fa- you. How's your father doing? He's, he's doing great, but he's gonna be eighty six in March. Is he really? He's yeah. the one that found me. Basically he never he never checked on me, but for some reason he checked on me. Yeah. And this is strange too. 
He said, you thought let me sleep, but then sometimes you go over there and try to wake me up. <laughs> okay. Okay. The whole thing is, it, it, it happened exactly the way I said. Yeah, yeah. That's nuts. So not nuts. Now, that's crazy. The hospital full witnesses. I'd love to hear that. Yes. How was the food in the yeah. hospital? How was I'm the, sorry? How was the food there? How was the food in the hospital? It was horrible. Yeah. But they had me on paste. <laughs> Yeah, okay, I hear you. So listen, let's take I'm, a talk about no taste. Talk about no taste. Let's take a commercial break now, and we'll be right back after this. You're listening to Mac Maloney's Military Exile Show here on the Distant Thunder Radio Network. Please stay tuned. Hey, Mac Maloney fans, this is Pistol Pete with some exciting news. Mac has a new book coming out later in January called How to Dump a Body at Sea. And not get caught. Is that a crazy title or what? Well, wait till you read what's inside. Now Mac and his co-writer, Mark Zapula, wanted everyone to know that radio show fans and everyone else too can pre-order the book right now on Amazon. And if you do, you'll get $2 off the list price. That's $2 off the list price of Mac and Mark's new book, How to Dump a Body at Sea and Not Get Caught. Now, Mac gave me an advanced copy of the book, and I've got to tell you, it's one of the funniest things I've ever read. It reminded me of The Sopranos, but with a laugh track. And get this, they both swear it's all true. That's How to Dump a Body at Sea and Not Get Caught, the new true crime novel for Mac Maloney and Mark Zappola. Order now and get $2 off on Amazon. My dad, he's a double amputee, and... Uh... He's one of my favorite people in the world. To me, a hero is someone who fights for our country and freedom. My dad is a hero. Homes for our troops built this house, and my dad can get through the wide doorways. He can reach anything. Homes for our troops builds and donates specially adapted custom homes nationwide for severely injured post-9-11 veterans and enables them to rebuild their lives. Join our mission at hfotusa.org. UFOs are found in Renaissance art on ancient coins and etched on cave walls. They're even reported in the Bible. But more surprising is when UFOs are seen the most in times of war. Through centuries, thousands of UFO sightings have been made by high-ranking officials, military pilots, and ordinary soldiers. Often, these fantastic appearances occur at the height of great battles. From World War I to D-Day to Korea, Vietnam, and beyond, Military investigators are baffled. Why do UFO sightings spike so drastically during wartime? Could it be mistaken aircraft? Or is someone or something looking in on us? In UFOs in wartime, what they didn't want you to know, Mac Maloney chronicles centuries of these incredible sightings and tries to solve the puzzle of why so many UFOs are seen while humanity is at war. Read about the scare ships, the ghost planes, and the ghost rockets. Alien giants in the jungles of Vietnam, UFOs controlling our ICBM bases, dogfights with flying saucers during the Gulf War, and more. 300 pages of unbelievable stories, along with many startling photographs. That's UFOs in Wartime, What They Didn't Want You to Know, by Mac Maloney. On sale at your local bookstore or on Amazon.com.
Welcome back to the Mac Maloney's Motorcycle Show here on the Distant Thunder Radio Network. And this is Mac Maloney. Well, I'm on the show we have for you tonight. Let me quickly introduce you, or reintroduce you, to the members of the posse. Girl, she's here, the very famous Juan Juan across the puddle. Juanie, how you doing? I'm just delighted to be here. And I want to say hello to all the women and all the men, but especially all the women. Okay, well, on. Looking forward to seeing me again. Yeah. Okay. Wow. It's uncanny. Uh, no Coco tonight, but uh, our national correspondent, Switchblade Steve, is with us. Switchy. And great to be here. Yes. Uh, also, our security chief, Willie Club, is with us. Willie. You know, Mac, it really is great to be here with this crowd. It, uh, yeah. And I must say that Juan, you know, being over there in the United Kingdom, he's yes. developed a brogue, which is uh, something yes. unusual. Yeah. They're looking into maybe that. Maybe he can give us the background on that. He's got the hat, too. Um, <laughs> joining us, uh, also joining us, is up there in Sideways, New York, our favorite good witch, Raven. Raven, how are you tonight? <laughs> Hi, my friends. Thank you so much for having me. Okay. Welcome back, by the way. Thank you, uh, thank you. Also, UFO mechanic Al Ronaldo is with us. Al. 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 Uh, this cat probably ate the uh, microphone. Wow, okay. Oh, you're going to blame it on the cat. Okay, here we go. A good friend, Cindy Bailey Dove down in Arkansas has joined us. Cindy, how are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on, Matt. Okay. And also joining us right now is the mysterious Ashley G. Ashley, how are you tonight? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me back yet again. Last time we talked to you, uh, did a report on haunted restaurants. I did in yeah. a restaurant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In a restaurant, yeah. That could be haunted. Later on, Dave said that he's seen strange things moving around in there, but who doesn't? So tonight, you have, um, we were talking about this uh, last month. Uh, I probably have this all wrong, but is like some kind of strange signal from a star 10 billion light years away headed right, pointed right at Earth? Or do I have that wrong? Uh, you're really, really close. Okay, uh, NASA received a signal from a spacecraft that they have that they sent it out. They're, it's shooting for an asteroid billions and billions of miles away, mm-hmm. but they received uh, signal to their spacecraft from 19 million miles away using mm-hmm. a laser. Mm-hmm. It's pretty cool. So the the there's some um, spacecraft that they sent out. Someone sent me an email about this the other day. We should look into it. There was a spacecraft they sent, they launched years and years ago, but it has a gold-plate record. Have you ever heard that story? There's a gold-plated record aboard. And has Is like, that the one with the, the Beatles we, album? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It has Chuck Berry songs on it. and um, uh, a lot That's of, what I thought you were talking about. Yeah, okay. Is it that you, one? You're talking about the one we sent out with the Voyager? Is that oh, Voyager? That's it. Yeah, okay. All right. I don't know. Was that that space? No, this is going to an asteroid. That's, so this is a uh, more modern spacecraft, it sounds like. So they were able to send a signal to the spacecraft 19 million miles by laser. Yeah, and it was an, it's an experiment, but believe it or not, the signal I got from the laser, uh-huh. it was a 15-second video of a cat no. chasing a red dot. No, a cat, <laughs> really? Yes, okay. Are, are, this isn't a joke, right? Set up, yeah. No, yeah, <laughs> I'm pretty sure CNN wrote something on it. 
Okay. Yes, this is great news. You love cats. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Very fitting. Yeah. We all yeah. do. Wow. He wants huh. to talk to you about it. Get that thing out Aww, of there. He's going to tell you what it's all about. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That is so funny. Hey, listen, Al, now that we're talking about cats, you want to tell everyone about your cat disposal uh, system for sale? My what? You know, you have that little uh, cat disposal system. Not, I don't mean cat disposal. That's a Freudian slip. Cat, you know. Uh, <laughs> what? Wishful you know thinking what I mean. on Max part. Talk yeah. Go ahead. And th- Re- th- remind th- me again what, what we're after here. You, you have your your uh, automatic litter. Uh, yeah, your up. automatic litter uh, disposal unit. Automatic litter. Okay. Too many Narragansetts. Al, in your house. <laughs> wait, wait. I, I, I'm, I'm not picking up what you're putting down. You have, like, about, what are we about? <laughs> you have about 14 cats, right? When they go in I and, have three cats. When they go in and do their business, isn't there some kind of an invention that you had to make it a little... Well, no, there's a power vent in there that it's got a motion sensor. So when the cat goes into the little area that they have their box, yes. they trip a motion sensor that turns on a, a bathroom fan, basically... That's vented outside through the back of the house. Yeah, is it because vented out to Max's house? No, don't say that. <laughs> I, you know, I could I could vent it out the front of the house and aim it toward his house. Oh, that'd be nice. But, yeah. You know, Good. When you've nice. got you know nineteen pound cats, when when they go in and trash a litter box, wow. Okay. It's you know I mean it can be pretty devastating in a really small house. So <laughs> this is just a way, and it only runs for five minutes after they're done. Yes. And hopefully they cover it up and and move along. But yeah, <laughs> I I did rig up a why vent did, system. Why did I go down this road? So listen, let me just I know, I'm, I, <laughs> pivot I'm really as I can say. But I, let me just go to Switchy really quick. Switch. So uh, Teddy, you sent me a picture of uh, that you uh, sent uh, from. Uh, Tudors, right? Yes, it, it was a, a working breakfast. I was going through some uh, literature for the next uh, French report. Go ahead. Oh, it's, yes. uh, this week or next week. Yes, yes. Go ahead and, and just tell us the uh, combination that you ordered, and then I'm going to guess that looked like about a $14 meal to me. No, it was under 10 bucks, uh, uh, not nine something. Hmm. No, okay. no, actually, a little bit less than that with okay. coffee. About eight bucks, I think. Yes, the big roll and the uh, eggs and no, no, no roll, no, no. It was uh, I had uh, two pancakes, although I didn't eat oh, both of them. Therapy. I had bacon and scrambled eggs. Wow. Okay, nine bucks, not bad. You know, I wish coffee. we had that up here in our Hooters. We don't. Uh, we, uh, we have a hamburger. Tudors. Did he say Hooters? <laughs> no, no. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Tudors. Uh, yeah, Hooters. Yeah. Well, if you should come down to West Virginia and you go into Tudors. Asking to see Hooters, you might have some trouble. Really? Yeah. Oh, they call it. Oh, they call it Tudors down there instead of Hooters. No, no, no. Hang on. <laughs> a lot of listeners oh, down there. Uh, oh, why talk, we, talk about a learning curve here. I don't know. <laughs> All right. Why don't we do this? Okay, real quick. Why don't we take a very quick break here and regroup, and then we'll be right back. Well, you're listening to Macaloni's Military Star Show here on the Distant Thunder Radio Network. The whole gang is here. Please stay tuned. Hey, Mac Maloney fans, this is Pistol Pete with some exciting news. Mac has a new book coming out later in January called How to Dump a Body at Sea and Not Get Caught. Is that a crazy title or what? Well, wait till you read what's inside. Now, Mac and his co-writer, Mark Zapula, wanted everyone to know that radio show fans and everyone else, too, can pre-order the book right now on Amazon. And if you do, you'll get $2 off the list price. 
That's $2 off the list price of Mac and Mark's new book, How to Dump a Body at Sea and Not Get Caught. Now, Mac gave me an advanced copy of the book, and I've got to tell you, it's one of the funniest things I've ever read. It reminded me of The Sopranos, but with a laugh track. And get this, they both swear it's all true. That's How to Dump a Body at Sea and Not Get Caught, the new true crime novel from Mac Maloney and Mark Zappola. Order now and get $2 off on Amazon. We've all heard of Area 51, the U.S. government's top secret base in the Nevada desert. But have you ever heard of Area 52 or 53 or 54? 54? 54. How about Tonopah Test Range or the Navy's secret base inside the Bermuda Triangle? Find out about them and more in Mac Maloney's Beyond Area 51, Mysteries of the World's Most Forbidden Places. Did Richard Nixon show Jackie Gleason a crashed alien spaceship near the swamps of Florida? Is it true that more UFOs are seen over a small Scottish village than anywhere else in the world? And is there a secret place in Russia that some people think is heaven on earth? In Mac Maloney's Beyond Area 51, you'll visit more than a dozen top-secret places around the globe. The haunted forests of New Jersey, a valley in Colorado where shadows come alive and humans can fly without wings, and where's the only secret base in America that's not been visited by UFOs? You've heard Mac talk all about these places on his radio show. Now you can read all about them yourself. That's Mac Maloney's Beyond Area 51, Mysteries of the World's Most Forbidden Places. Now on sale at Amazon. Six forty. I'm gonna keep all this in. That sounds like a party. Yeah, he's yeah, him and the cats are having a party. All right, here we go. One twenty seven on the dot. Welcome back, everyone, to Mac Maloney's Moon Traction Show here on the Distant Thunder Radio Network. This is Mac Maloney. How to describe the kind of show we have tonight. Let me very quickly introduce the co-conspirators. Uh, across the puddle there, uh, very famous Juan Juan is here, girls. Juani. I am so happy to be here and so happy that you have me here and so happy to see all these girls that seem to gravitate towards me. So yes. thank you, Matt. Okay, one one. It sounds happy. Hang on a second. Hang on, Hang on a second. Hey, Al. Y'all set there, buddy? What's up? Y'all set? <laughs> we heard you fighting with the cats. See, the fighting and dancing with them. Which was it? <laughs> I, went to the ref- I went to the freezer and got a uh, oh a little Zambuca I had in there. So Zambuca. I'm finishing off the, uh, the show with a little Zambuca. Okay, yeah. Sounds and good. the cat wanted to eat, so I had to feed him on See? the way. I knew it was cat-related. Okay. I-, I had to. I should have muted it. I'm sorry. That's okay. We enjoyed it. Everyone's laughing. Um, He's up there screaming at me. Okay, we understand. Uh, also, our national correspondent is down there in uh, West Virginia, Switchblade Steve Ward, Switchy. Uh, great to be here in West Virginia. A couple pancakes into the day, right? Great to be anywhere. 
There you go. Stealing one long lines. Uh, our security chief, Willie Club, is with us. Willie? Hi, Mac. Duncan Thomas. Back at Duncan Thomas. A lot to think about tonight. This is kind of yes. heavy, some of the stuff. Yeah, that's why my head here. hurts. Yep. You know, it, it's good because it's a, it's like a, a test of your brain, you know, it keeps it moving. <laughs> okay. Um, I'll have to listen to this when it's uh, uh, recorded so that I can uh, better understand some of the things that we're What the hell's going about. on? Yes, I understand that. I go through that on a weekly basis. Also with us is our favorite good witch up there in Sideways and Yard Raven is with us. Raven. Hi, my friends. Thank you so much for having me. Um, didn't mention, but you got the hat. It's hat season again, right? Oh, it's hat season. All right. It's, it's really hard, um, to not purchase every single beanie that I find. Mm. Um, it's funny cause we got, uh, you know, obviously I'm in New York and we got really hit with the, the snow yes. and I was wearing the beanie that Al and his lovely wife made for me for my birthday last year. Oh, <laughs> it's so nice. Wow. I love that hat. <laughs> Hmm. Juan Juan wants to know if there's a bun under the beanie. Is there a bun under the beanie? No, no. All my hair is down. Oh, okay. Okay. There no bun. There you go, Juan. Also with us is our very good friend, Cindy Bailey Dove, if she's still with us. Cindy? Yes. Okay. Thanks, Mac. It's great to be on. Mm-hmm. Nothing's changed. And in Arkansas, 32 degrees, which is un- un- harder. Really? Yeah. It's Not colder much- than it is here. Yeah, yeah. It's not bad. Uh, tomorrow's supposed to be uh, bad weather, and then uh, everything's going to melt. Um, and also joining us is the mysterious Ashley G. Ashley, how are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me. Okay. Do you want to talk about your dog now just to, you know, I don't want to say get it over with, but we do ask you about your dog. How is your dog? <laughs> and my dog is the topic all the time. Mm-hmm. She's always the priority. Yep. Center of attention. Okay. And what kind of dog is it again? I ask you every time, but I, I guess I forget. Um, it's because it's a weird breed. American Staffordshire Terrier. Mm-hmm. Okay. And is it a big dog? Big dog? Yep. 70 pounds. I would say she's pretty large. Wow, wow. I think she lost a pound. Couldn't tell you how. She eats everything in sight. And, uh, and a good uh, guard dog, watchdog? <laughs> yep. Every morning at the end of the bed, watching out the window, seeing who's going by. Really? Yeah. Keeping an eye on things. Ashley, may I ask? Go ahead, Juan. Juan, go ahead. Stafford Bedside Terrier, a euphemism for a pit bull? She is the cousin of the pit bull. It's in that she's like, um, Hmm. they're all kind of similar. I thought they were the epitome of a pit bull. I think they are. They're, They're better in like the fighting ring back in the day. That's my point. Yes. Real? Okay. All and right. And their muscle ratio is larger. So she's bigger. Yeah. Huh. Okay. Well, so you've looked at this muscle ratio. So, so you have a pit bull with a, uh, a fancy name. No, the classical pit bull. Oh, oh the I see. Longest, biggest. Meanest oh, they're not bull. exactly pit bull. Well done, pitbulls. Ashley. Wow. Huh. So, so, I picked a one. So, so it's, is it a rare dog? I mean, do you know, do you ever see any people? Walking the same kind of dog, or whatever. I don't think it's a rare breed, but it's it's mixed a lot. Like I feel like there's a lot of mutts because since it's a bully breed, people don't really want them. Mm-hmm. Um, renters they're they're on the no rent to list that breed, so mm-hmm. I don't think it's necessarily rare. 
Right. But I don't think people advertise it, but I don't care because what? she's a, she's an angel. She's an angel. That's good. Is she a friendly dog? Oh, super, super friendly. She squeals mm. like a pig every time she sees someone she knows. Mm-hmm. She gets the wiggle, but she does this weird smile when she'll see someone that she really likes or like half her mouth will curl up as she like walks at you sideways. My dog does that where her lip gets stuck on her teeth because she's missing a couple teeth. Oh, and yeah. it just, it gets stuck and she's just got like a little snaggle tooth that sticks out. It's like the cutest thing ever. Hmm. Okay. I don't have a dog or a cat, so I'm missing out on a lot of fun, as it turns out. Speaking of fun, are, Mac. Speaking <laughs> of fun, why don't we go to uh, Switchy? We'll put his bumper in here, right here. And now it's time for another story from the lost annals of the paranormal. It's time for Steve Ward's report from the fringe. Switch, what do you have for us tonight? I have a uh, report. This comes from uh, a series of books edited by John Hansen called Haunted Skies, Preserving the History of UFO Research. Uh, They have them. uh, The the one I'm I'm, uh, using tonight is Volume 4 Revised, and uh, it's uh, from uh, 76 and 77. They have they have a a general series that covers uh, UFO reports all over the world, and they have one that is exclusive to Britain. What I did was I picked uh, uh, three reports, relatively short reports, but really bizarre ones out of this book. And these books are, are so well done, so well produced. There's uh, a lot of color uh, uh, pictures. Uh, the just it's it's very very high quality, and they're, they're these huge volumes. They're not terribly cheap either. But uh, I wish I had the whole set. But they're really really good. Okay, the first one, May 1976, Jan Malloy and her friend Allison. They're walking along the beachfront at Scarborough, Yorkshire. Now, they've just gotten off work. It's dark. The moon is up. And uh, they're heading toward the pier. And they all of a sudden, they hear this extremely loud whirring noise. And they, they look up, and they see this cone-shaped UFO directly over them. And they, they said it's about the size of a small aircraft. Now, and the, and the ground and the entire area was lit up by a bank of flashing lights that are underneath this uh, mysterious craft. Well, they really, they thought this thing was going to crash. So they started running toward the pier. The next thing that they knew, it was like switching a TV channel to a completely different station. They seemed to be suddenly not running toward the pier, but running through an ancient churchyard, uh, through a cemetery. The gravestones looked really old. The entire landscape was completely unfamiliar. Uh, they, they had the impression that somehow they went through some kind of a time slip. And they also, they were wearing uh, crinoline, which are these long, old-fashioned dresses. And then uh, all of a sudden, now this, this whatever happened was, was quite brief. Uh, but they then they saw the lights of this UFO again, kind of through a mist. It was accompanied by kind of a metal burning smell. And all of a sudden, they're back in real time, uh, in their normal clothes, and uh, the event was over. Uh, the, the ordeal was only moments, but if they found out, they had lost three hours. Now, uh, Allison said she saw a figure in the cemetery that was six feet tall, thin, large head, three fingers on each hand um now i don't 
I actually don't believe that there was, I mean, let's assume that this is a real experience that they shared. I don't believe there was a time slip here. I think that with this missing time, it seems like that these experiences, people are given false memories. So I don't think they went back in time running through a cemetery. I think they had some kind of an illusion or deception was created. Okay, the next one, spring 1977, a close encounter of the first kind, Worcestershire, Terry Ingram. He's working nights at the British Leyland uh, Car Factory in Longbridge, Birmingham. Now, this is uh, spring 1977. A co-worker named Big John is the first guy to spot this huge cigar-shaped craft. Uh, it's, uh, it's only about 10 feet above the roof of this uh, building. It's about 30 by 40 yards in, in uh, size. And it, it seemed to be constructed of uh, different size metal plates. Uh, 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 like I say, different sizes. And uh, they said it was like standing under a jumbo jet. And then they, they don't know how long they watched it for, but it started to vibrate and then shot away. Now, you know, we've talked about uh, people that have, have that have continual sort of paranormal experiences. They don't just have one thing happen to them. Well, two weeks later, he's at home in Martin Close, Redditch. And uh, it was uh, very early hours of the night. And uh, his wife wakes him up. There's a, a knocking uh, at the front door. And he looks at the clock, it's 3 a.m. He figures, well, you know, maybe there's a family emergency or something like that. So he gets up, he goes to the door, and he, he yells, who's there? No answer. Knocking still continues. He looks through the, the glass window, and he sees this small figure. He thought maybe it was a small child, maybe a, a, a neighbor was in trouble or, or what have you. So he, he bends down, he looks through the letterbox, and a wave of fear washes over him. He sees a pair of slanted red eyes with black pupils. Uh, he called it a creature from the depths of hell. This thing is staring at him, slowly backs away, still maintaining eye contact. Eventually, it turned and jumped over the fence. He said it was about three feet tall, four fingers on each hand. He said it was just bizarre. It was wearing like a, a ragged sackcloth, and it had a tail. Now, I don't know what this guy experienced, but... Uh, he might have had that that stuff that uh, Al is drinking right now as well. But it, interesting that people have these completely inexplicable, inexplicable, bizarre experiences. Now, here's the last one. July 15th, 1976. Family in the U.S. is traveling on Freeway 84 uh, at Cave Junction, Oregon. This is in the afternoon. They see these objects, these craft uh, going through the sky. They can't make them out right at first, but as they get closer, they're actually three of these large black triangles uh, and they're heading their direction. Uh, the car engine dies, so he, he drifts off onto the side of the road. Uh, everything, the uh, uh, electrical systems completely died. Nothing's happening. And the next thing he knows, he's again, like he's, uh, like he's spliced a tape, and 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 have some missing time. He's standing in front of the car when he was sitting in the car before that, and he's looking at his family, his wife, and kids, and they're all confused about what what the heck happened. So they shortly they just to kind of uh, uh, regroup. They stopped at a roadside diner. Now while the father was eating, the hair on the back of his neck stands up, and he turns. And he sees a stranger sitting a couple tables away, not eating any food, but just staring at him. 
And this guy was thin, olive brown skin, black hair, beady eyes, uh, accompanied by very bushy black eyebrows, pointed chin, uh, sort of a, a classic man in black type, wearing a black suit, black shoes, and a white shirt. Now, this guy looked just very menacing, so the father wants to head off any trouble, and he walks over to him and says, may I help you with something? And this creepy dude says, where are you going? And he says, well, I'm going to take my family uh, to uh, uh, down to Fossil and see the sights. And this guy says, don't go down there. Things bigger than houses come over the tops of trees. Things hmm. bigger than houses come over the tops of trees. What's that Say mean? what? So, and then this guy, this creepy dude, stands up and walks out of the restaurant. So this is the, the second bizarre thing that's happened to him. And, uh, and then at this point, it, it's dawned on them that they, they're missing about two or three hours of time. Hmm. So whenever that they saw those, those triangles, something clicked there. And so they watch this guy. He drives away in a black utility truck. And as he's passing them, this creep is staring at, at them as he passes by. So they figure, we're going to get the heck out of here. So they hit uh, Highway 97, I think it is. And he's, he's traveling about 65. Suddenly, a large black car zips past him. And he looks inside and it looks just like the same creep that just uh, drove away before in the truck. And this, this car was out of sight in no time. And uh, then, then uh, he, uh, he took off. It really wanted to get out of there. He hits 80. And then from behind him, the same car passes him, or it seems to be the same car, same creepy dude in there that passes him again and, and just takes off. So they think, okay, there's a state park nearby. Let's go somewhere where there's a lot of people. Uh, you know, we don't know what to make of this. So they pull into the park, and there's the guy standing there in the road, mm -hmm. the same guy staring at them as they drove by. So what they did was they, they were in there with a lot of people. They did spend the night there and never saw this guy again, never had any more uh, UFO sightings. But the car never recovered. It, uh, it turned into kind of a, a lemon. He was always having trouble with it. Mm. So, and this is this comes from the uh, National UFO Reporting Center. So wow. that, those are my uh, bizarre reports for tonight. And uh, again, you know, we uh, people will make up stories sometimes, but when we we look at the literature, uh, a lot of the points that were hit in these stories mm -hmm. are things that do keep showing up. Right, and it may, may suggest that some of these things are as John Keel thought, might be not necessarily hallucinations, but illusory. Perhaps uh, these things are maybe projections or, or they're not actual, completely real physical events. Right, right, you know, I, right. wonder, I wonder if that, that guy in, in the restaurant, were other people seeing this guy? That, did other people have a reaction to him right. that we don't know? Um, listen, I'll tell you, let's take a break, and I want to just uh, ask you a few questions about Men in Black on the other side, okay? So um, and okay. we have to say uh, goodnight to Ashley. Why don't we give her a little bit of a applause, please? Thanks, Captain. We'll sweeten that out, don't worry. Thank you, Ashley, and um, we want to be friends with your dog, okay? <laughs> we'll, we'll set up a play date maybe we can get a couple cats in there okay, we'll she's friends to all put a couple cats in okay sounds good thank you Ashley we'll see you soon Thanks, goodbye Ashley okay. I appreciate the time see you later and um, we'll, we'll uh, take a break now and you're listening to Mac Maloney's Military Excellence Show here on the Distant Thunder Radio Network 
Please stay tuned. My dad, he's a double amputee, and uh, he's one of my favorite people in the world. To be a hero is someone who fights for our country and freedom. My dad is a hero. Homes for our troops built this house, and my dad can get through the wide doorways. He can reach anything. Homes for our troops build and donate specially adapted custom homes nationwide for severely injured post-9-11 veterans and enables them to rebuild their lives. Join our mission at hfotusa.org. Hey, Mac Maloney fans, this is Pistol Pete with some exciting news. Mac has a new book coming out later in January called How to Dump a Body at Sea and Not Get Caught. Is that a crazy title or what? Well, wait till you read what's inside. Now, Mac and his co-writer, Mark Zapula, wanted everyone to know that radio show fans and everyone else, too, can pre-order the book right now on Amazon. And if you do, you'll get $2 off the list price. That's $2 off the list price of Mac and Mark's new book, How to Dump a Body at Sea and Not Get Caught. Now, Mac gave me an advanced copy of the book, and I've got to tell you, it's one of the funniest things I've ever read. It reminded me of The Sopranos, but with a laugh track. And get this, they both swear it's all true. That's How to Dump a Body at Sea and Not Get Caught, the new true crime novel for Mac Maloney and Mark Zapola. Order now and get $2 off on Amazon. Everyone to Mac Maloney's Motorx Show here on the Distant Thunder Radio Network. This is Macaroni. Wow, what a show we have for you tonight. Very quickly, I will introduce the members of the posse. Girls, he is here, the very famous Juan Juan over there across the puddle. Juanie, how you doing? Never better, Mac. And thank you for having me. And I want to thank all of your listeners and especially the women. It is so nice to be here. Thank you. Mm-hmm. So it's nice to be here. So, wow, wow. It's, wow. It's nice to be here. It's nice to be anywhere. Isn't that what you usually say, Juan Juan? Of course I say that, but I didn't want to make Raven feel um, scared. Is, is it me or didn't we just go over that like 30 seconds? Wow. Can I put my cat back in the picture yeah, now? Yeah, maybe the cat. You maybe better put the cat back up there. <laughs> yeah, Jesus. The, the way we go it okay. might work better. <laughs> Thank you, Juan Juan. I'm very glad that you you considered my feelings because I'm usually quite terrified <laughs> yeah, when right, you say right. your, I'm, your regular life. I'm terrified right now, frankly. <laughs> um, listen, down there in West Virginia, our national correspondent, Switch Plague, Steve Ward, Switchy, save us. Great to be here. And I'm really happy that uh, Juan Juan is here and he had a, 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 a successful hernia transplant. Uh, yes, yeah. How did it go there, uh, Juan Juan? Juan Juan had a hernia transplant. That's how they do it over in the UK. How did it go? Was it was it painful, Juan Juan? Well, I must tell you, 
mate. It it took a while to get used to it, but si. I'm finally si. used si. to Blighty. Si. He couldn't not do the accent. Okay. <laughs> he couldn't. He couldn't. I thought just, it was brilliant. Wow, it was brilliant. You're right. Brilliant. Uh, you Yanks are just all upset about the whole thing. <laughs> well, I'm I never heard you sound this way. Anyway, uh, also with us, I'm introducing everyone, I guess, is uh, Willie Klepp, our security chief. Willie? I'll tell you, I wish I was on what Juan is on. Yeah, you ain't kidding. Yeah. Well, you know what they say. I think that transplant he got came over from Scotland. That could, that could be it. <laughs> what he always yeah, says. Uh, say that. I can't give you any, but I'll say you some. Hang on. One night on Johnny Carson, Doc Severson was taking Ed's place. He's sitting there beside him. You can see this on YouTube. It's one of the funniest things ever. And Johnny invites him to Thanksgiving dinner. He goes through this whole thing, and he says, so you want to go? And Doc Severson says, ah, no. You know, and it's a like big laugh, and they just laughing and laughing. And finally, Carson says to him, Jesus, can you give me some of what you're on? And he says, I can't give you any, but I'll sell you some. <laughs> Funny show. I don't know. Maybe it's old guy funny or whatever, but they were. I, I remember seeing that clip, and it was funny because he, he just kept going and going. Oh, could, was, didn't uh, stop. He, he was lit up on something. Yeah. Coke or something. Had, anyway, those are the old days. Um, <laughs> up there in uh, Southways, New York, I don't want to say, speaking of Coke, but Coca-Cola is our uh, <laughs> every good witch, Raven. Raven, how are you? Hello, my friends. Thank you so much for having me. Um, also, uh, with us, who's, oh, Al Ronaldo. I was going to say speaking of Coke, but it definitely is just Coca-Cola <laughs> for this guy. Al, how you doing? Uh, boy, oh boy, back, back in the day, you know? Back in the day? Yeah. I love it. Uh, okay. Could well, be him, Matt. Maybe someday someone will write a book and they'll include that chapter. We don't know. Speaking of that, uh, two things. Um, uh, Marcus Pula, famous, uh, crime reporter and author, and I have co-authored a book. It's coming out in a couple of weeks. It's coming out January 18th, so depending on when you hear this. Um, it's called How to... Uh, what is it? <laughs> How weird is that? How to get rid of a... What is it, Al? I mean, I wouldn't know because he's... How to get... How to, how to dump a body at sea. How to dump a body at sea and not get caught. Right? There well, you, you go. You think I would know that. Anyway, so it's coming out on Amazon. It's on... Pre-order now on Amazon uh, until January 18th. Um, you get two bucks off until January 18th. Then it goes to full price. But uh, I guess it really isn't that expensive. How to dump a body at sea and not get caught. Uh, you know, uh, look out for it. And um, we're going to do a special show in a couple of weeks talking about how it was made and so on and so forth, if you want to know how the sausage was made. Also, um, we um, just to help our friends out at Homes for Our Troops, um, or the charity of the show. Um, if you, uh, anyone who uh, donates more than, just go on Home Squad Troops, their website. Anyone who donates more than 20 bucks, just put it in the note uh, that they uh, give you the option of um, including with your donation. And that will let us know and we'll send you a, um, an autographed copy of one, one of my books. Be glad to do it. So if you just go on Home Squad Troops, give about more than 20 bucks, put it in the note, and, um, We'll find out, and then we will uh, send you an autograph book, Holmes Rod Troops. And um, I think that is it as far as well. It sounds like I'm doing the plugs, but it isn't quite that time of the show. I do want to – I've introduced everyone, right? 
I can't remember back that far. I think so. Okay. So uh, we were talking about um, Men in Black real quick. We are talking about Men in Black uh, in the previous segment, Switchy was, and there are definitely um, a lot of, there is definitely a lot of documentation where people run into these guys and they're, they're, we don't know who they are. They show up in some cases of UFO sightings. They always dress in black. They always seem to dress the same. They always look a little unearthly or whatever. Their complexions and everything, they just don't look right. And um, they always do these kind of odd things, say odd things, and they just don't seem to be from here. My question is this. So, so you, you're with me so far, right? You agree so far, Switchy? Yep. Okay. So let's say that they are, you know, and, and it's kind of funny because I just said it, that they don't seem to be, you know, here 100%. It's kind of like um, the things we talk about, the ghost rockets and the um, ghost planes and stuff. They seem to be just a little bit next door you know, to universe-wise. But anyway, let's say these guys are some kind of – people want to think that they're government agents um, or whatever. If that was the case, if they had the job of basically scaring, what they do a lot is they warn people, don't go here, don't go there. Once you've seen a UFO, you've you – know, for some reason, you know, you, they feel like they have to warn you and stop you from doing things. If that was their real job, why would they always dress the same? Why would they always be the men in black? Why wouldn't they just show up in leisure wear or something, you know? Well, sometimes, uh, you know, Keel talked about the uh, men in black being kind of a generic term because sometimes they'll they'll show up. Uh, there was a, a wave of uh, people that dressed like Air Force officers. They weren't Air Force, but they would go and harass witnesses and collect material and tell people to be quiet about their sighting. And the Air Force even put out a a uh, a memo saying that we don't know who these people Wait, are. I do remember, but they're that. they're masquerading as as Air Force officers, and they wanted to try and catch one of these guys. Uh, when when Keel John Keel uh, first was in Point Pleasant, West Virginia, when the Mothman stuff, the UFOs, and all that was going on, he saw a lot of people that were very likely government men. I mean, these guys are in the, the black suits, the skinny ties, close-cropped hair, yeah. and zero personality. Yes. And he tried to engage a couple of them in conversations, and they, they just stayed away. Uh, but then you have this, this other sort of variety, if you will, uh, with the sometimes they have uh, somewhat Asian features, uh, dusky skin. Uh, but uh, make it very clear, they're, they're not Asian. The, the nationality is kind of unidentifiable. Uh, and uh, their their mannerisms are, are very strange sometimes and uh, uh, just just very creepy. Um, they uh, sometimes they have these long tapering fingers. Uh, mm. And if you go back into history, when when witches uh, believed they were uh, in communication with with demons, uh -huh. some of these demons, some of these uh, these uh, these these men that they were talking to had the long tapering fingers. They supposedly demons didn't have vocal cords, so their their voices were actually sounded like they were a little bit far away from them. Sometimes. Uh, uh, UFO entities have that same situation where they don't see a speaker or mm -hmm. or, or see their lips moving or, or just not telepathy, but there's sort of that projection. Sometimes, uh, again, back going way back, uh, the, they would see these uh, these these men, these these demons or whatever mm -hmm. they were, uh, dressed in black, wearing hats, 
and sometimes they'd ride in on a black horse mm-hmm. as opposed to a black Cadillac. So you have this this kind of a, a strain of a, a folklore yes. possibly connected with some of this. Some of the reports that we've talked about before are, are just bizarre, and I wonder if Keel's onto something where he thinks some of these things might not actually be physical experiences, but but something is triggering it. And uh, it's almost like a, a modern day devil theory. You know, it's just almost like a another a retread of the belief in demons and, and these dark forces. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, now, I think, I th- if I'm not mistaken, I think Nick, Nick Redfern uh, discovered some possibilities. Now, some of these bizarre incidents may have been set up by the government. I was going to say. I mean, say, I wouldn't it put sounds... it past these guys to, you know, have some people dress up and act a little weird and, yeah. and harass witnesses like act to kind of plant some of this uh, these seeds in there to see if they, they would would uh, take hold. Right. You know, um, when you were saying that they were, you know, the, the same kind of character shows up through history uh, in Macmillan's Haunted Universe on sale everywhere. Um, we did a story where there were a number of reports during the Dark Ages, especially during the, um, you know, um, and everyone was wiped out by the, you know, the plague, right? The black plague, the bubonic plague. And that's when the whole idea of the Grim Reaper showed up. You know, they would literally show up at your door, that type of thing, you know, because if you had it, you were dead. That's all there was to it. And, um, you know, make a pretty good case that they were the first men in black. Well, they, they said that they, there, there's sickles that would be swishing through the wheat, mm. but they wouldn't cut the wheat. Mm-hmm. And uh, these wow. were these were uh, these these robed figures would knock on doors and and people in there would contract the plague. There were a, a lot of cases where groups of these hooded uh, uh, figures, uh, sort of like you say, forerunners of the Men in Black, were seen in groups in in, in Germany and so forth, Brandenburg, mm-hmm. and uh, you know that was uh, it was a Gods of Eden by uh, oh, what's his name? Uh, can't remember the, the author right now. Uh, uh, he covers, he, he actually, he, he draws on sources of two books I have in my library on the Black Plague. Yes. And there were all, all kinds of other things. They were, they had a real thing about comets. They thought comets were sort mm-hmm. of agents of doom. Yes, sure. And they talked about seeing a black comet in the sky. I don't know what a black comet really looks like. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, you know, so uh, the these things, these, these stories and these beliefs have always been with us and seem to manifest in, in the present day. When when uh, Stan Gordon, who, who wrote Silent Invasion and covered the bizarre incidents in Pennsylvania in the early 70s, right. Bigfoot reports and UFOs, there were some men in black types that showed up that uh, trying to silence people or, sure. or deceive people. Uh, this this one guy who was a, a main witness that had all kinds of bizarre things happen to him. He had a air force, what a guy dressed like an air force officer and another guy dressed in plain clothes implied they were with Stan Gordon's team and uh, put them, put them under regressive hypnosis and said, we'll get back to you with the results. And of course they never did. So, and, and then there was, there was a series of, uh, uh, interesting Bigfoot reports in Ording, Washington, yes. and, and and other things, classic UFOs, orange orbs, written by Sally Shepard Wolford, who is the mother of Autumn Williams, mm-hmm. a famous uh, Bigfoot researcher. Yes, yes. This is back in the early 70s as well. And at some point, these these odd men in black start showing up uh, huh. and knocking on people's doors. So, you know, you wonder, men in black and Bigfoot? Yeah. You know, I mean, we, we just seem to cover everything here. What's going on? Yeah, really. Um Hmm. Uh, Stan Gordon refuses to come on the show. 
Did you know that? I can't believe that. It's true. Been invited just, just, several just times. give him my name, Mac. He'll, he'll be here. I did. <laughs> he didn't go. He, he didn't write back. <laughs> well, that no. killed it then. Okay, <laughs> no, you, you might have said club <laughs> no, by, by accident. That's probably what happened. Really club, yeah. Yeah, right. But uh, the story that he tells about uh, the Kecksburg thing, we've talked about it before, but basically in like the 60s, this thing fell into the woods in western Pennsylvania. It looked like a big acorn, and uh, the at the time the Soyuz spacecraft that the Russians would uh, launch all the time looked like an acorn. But anyway, this thing, you know, people started to change direction and stuff, and it and lands in this uh, forest. Uh, citizens go, and correct me if I'm wrong here, uh, Switch, they go and they see it, but then the army takes over. The army shows up, kicks everyone out, and they and they took this thing away on the back of a, a flatbed truck. And um, and then the guy who was uh, running the radio station there, I forget his name, um, he had he had like reports. He was like one of the first people to go and see this thing. And he went back to the radio station to do a special on this because it was, it was the biggest thing going on in this area at the time. And he did it, and, and bef- he recorded it, but before he broadcast it, as you say, switch, a guy shows, a couple guys show up. I think one of them was in the uniform. I'm not sure. Brought him in the room, had a little conversation with him, and he agreed to edit it. And so this kind of edited version came out about what happened. And then... All this weird stuff happened to this guy, and then he was fine. It's a tragic ending to it. He finally was hit like by a hit and run driver in Malibu, California, or some freaking thing. It was very, very strange. Very strange. At well, least- you know, I talked to a guy. His name is Ray Keller. He's known as yeah. Cosmic Ray. He's mm-hmm. written a lot of great books. He uh, claims contact with the Space Brothers. Super nice guy. Uh, he believes, and he might be onto something, that what Kecksburg was was a failed uh, Venus probe that the Russians sent up, Man. fell back to Earth. Because when they saw the strange writing, they thought maybe it was the Russian alphabet mm-hmm. on there. Okay. But his, his theory isn't a bad theory, actually. It might have actually been a, a very terrestrial craft yep. that didn't make its uh, destination. It really looked like the uh, uh, Russian-designed capsule. You know, as we have right. a different... we have, And they look like acorns, you know. But there was definitely... So I could see from a national security point of view, especially in the 60s, where they would want to kind of keep that secret. Not that the Russians wouldn't know, because the Russians obviously knew the thing, you know, crashed back to Earth. But the fact that, you know, we have this thing and now we can, you know, pull it apart, let's say, right? But right. why would you go through – I could see all that and, keep, and kicking everybody out and putting the thing on a flatbed truck and then just leave. But if the guy is going to do a story that, saying it's a UFO – you know, why Why stop them? You know what I mean? It's the classic kind of distraction. Yeah, just call it a UFO when it turns out to be a Russian spacecraft. We just don't want to say that. It, it might I mean? just be a power grab. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, it, it could be. Right, right. And then it just disappeared. You never heard really right. anything about it again, you know, except this guy died in just a weird way and weird stuff happened to him, that radio guy. I mean, that's really. They pulled it away in a flatbed with a tarp over it. <clears throat> right. Yeah, strange, strange. Anyway, Kecksburg. Okay. So. May, may I add yeah. a comment? Juan, Juan, go ahead, please, Juan. Yes. I I have a friend of mine who was a uh, career Army intelligence officer. Go ahead. And counterintelligence officer. Go ahead. And, uh, and then he went on to be 
even more of an intelligence officer. And I, he told me that when you talk about men in black. Yes, yes. That's That was the original purpose of the, this discussion, correct, right? Yes. He said there was an organization called AFOSI. Oh, yes, right. Air Force Office of Special Investigations. Yes. And my army friend told me they are the least creative (laughs) and most unprofessional. I believe it. They wear black clothes and they go around and bother people. Anyway, that's what my friend told me. There's the guys that, I mean, they were involved with that guy who, switch you will know. Remember that guy was down there at that Kirkland Air Force Base in New Mexico. He was a contractor. He was a contractor for the air base, but uh, but he believed that he was picking up. um, Oh, yes, the Benowitz. Yes, yep, right. Uh, Paul Benowitz. Paul Benowitz. He, He believed that he was picking up alien signals coming from over the base. So he went and he told them, now this guy works there. He's a physicist. And they, and, and, and he told them what it turned out to be for, for real was that they had two things at Kirkland Air Force Base, this huge, huge base in New Mexico. First of all, they had bunkers full of nuclear bombs, which they did not want the Russians to see. So they used to scramble electronic signals and stuff going back and forth and so on. They were also flying the stealth fighter down there. So that's what he came upon, these kind of um, uh, scrambled um, messages from these two things. But they didn't tell him that. What they did was they made him think that they were alien signals. They broke into his house. They ripped apart his computer. But they they left a trail of crumbs to make him think that these were aliens signals that there were aliens in a mountain nearby and it, and and he finally went to a um mental institution twice because yeah, this yeah, they really really messed with this guy really messed his head up. yeah yeah and and all he had to do was sign some kind of you know security document but they didn't do it and it was basically this this air force special operations guys whoever they were and they're basically from what i've read they're basically like um glorified security guards you know they did not like the CIA or anything like that. It's just the name. And I could see this they're at the bottom of the, the, the letter, and, and I know them only because of what they did to this guy. Um, I could see them dry, you know, walking around in men in black type stuff and thinking they're cool. You know what I mean? Yeah. Juan Juan. Juan Juan. Nicely what I told you. Air Force Office of Special Investigations. Mm-hmm. Decades of uh, uh, malfeasance, poor, poor performance. Okay, <laughs> we get it. Okay, um, so uh, well, that was interesting. We we have about ten minutes to go. Al's been raising his hand. Yeah, what were you what were you telling us? Uh, yes. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Um, you tell us about some guy from World I War II. I was wondering if any of you folks have heard of uh, this World War II colonel, I believe he was, uh, named Bazooka Charlie. Mm, great name. 
because I, well, I mean, his real name, uh, hold on here, his real name was um, Carpenter, I believe. Oh. And he was, one of the things he did during World War II was he was a reconnaissance uh, pilot. And uh, he flew one of those little, you know, Piper Cubs. Yep, observation. Reconnaissance planes that were basically unarmed, made out of canvas, and were really... Uh, total targets because they had no offensive weaponry on them at all. Mm-hmm. So um, the, the story that I read was his daughter, who was now in her 80s, happened to uh, be awake one night, couldn't sleep. So she started Googling her dad's name and this and that. And what she found was articles that kind of dismissed his actions during World War II. Mm-hmm. Yep. So he was in the European theater uh, flying this little reconnaissance plane around and he was getting shot at from the ground by small arms fire and, and all this. So um, the the running story was that he decided he didn't like being a target so much that he strapped six bazookas onto this Piper Cubs wing struts. Yes, yes. Three on each side. Yes. And he went into combat and he would... <laughs> Go in and start doing his recon, and when they started shooting at him, he would shoot back. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, cool. So, which is kind of cool when you figure the airplane weighs eight hundred pounds. It's made out of canvas, yeah, yeah, wood, yep. and some steel. Yep. And so he um, he was supposedly this um, you know real character who went out and did this stuff. So when she was looking him up that night, she happened across an article that said that. Um, it was analyzed by various aviation groups and, and aviation experts, mm-hmm. and they came up with the concept that he couldn't have possibly done it because the airframe of the plane wouldn't hold that sure. kind of firepower. Yeah, yeah. And it would have done damage to the plane, and they dismissed it as either uh, propaganda, yep. which they said we were fighting a propaganda war with Germany yep. at the time. Yep, yep. And um, – they said it was either propaganda or it was just feel good yes. to send home to the people at home to make them think we're doing something great. Yes. And uh, it couldn't have possibly happened. So that really uh, twisted this woman up a bit because the they, were, they were talking about her father. Yes. And um, it just turned out that her father had been some kind of a history teacher mm-hmm. pre-enlisting in the you know, in the war. Yes, yes. And um, he was a prolific writer. Mm. So he wrote to his wife the entire time he was in the European theater. Yep. And wrote of his exploits and wrote of, you know, daily what, what he did and what happened. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he also sent her pictures. And he sent her pictures of him standing next to the plane. The thing. Which you can clearly see six bazookas mounted on the <laughs> pilot side. That's funny. <laughs> and... Um, so she went ahead and, and went through trying to find out more and what else, whatever else she could find out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Plus, she wanted to clear her dad's name and say this wasn't a propaganda or a feel-good thing. He really did this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So sh- she ended up um, contacting people and getting involved in researching this, and she had incredible documentation and photography of her dad with the plane. And all of his writings to the mom that the mom had saved over the years. Mm-hmm. And um, it came to find out that uh, 
he was no fooling around. He was he was serious. Yes. And he's actually credited with taking out six German tanks. That's amazing. With his little 800-pound Piper Cub. Yeah, yeah, really. Huh. And and he said he did great at first. Yes. And uh, your microphone just went out. The Germans has, have sabotaged Al's microphone. <laughs> Al, I can oh, lip no, read. They, they got to him. He's saying... He no, I think six. the cat got to the wire. Yeah, the no, cat. I'm sorry, my internet just—it just said my my internet just went. Go ahead. Um, but anyway, it turned out he took out six tanks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And originally they weren't bothering him because they didn't think he posed a threat. But once he took out a few of them, oh, that's amazing. He said the tanks started turning <laughs> and firing on him. Yeah. Well, because he was such so, a he was that much of a problem. The downside. And he, and, uh, he survived this. Like yes. Yeah, that's that's, he that's did. wild. That's he came home thing. and he died um, a number of years later. Not a lot of years later. He died in his fifties. Yep. Okay. But through the the, the uh, daughter researching all this, they actually found his airplane. Mm. Wow. They found it in Austria, mm. and it had been used for years to tow gliders oh, yeah, up yeah. into the air yep. until it was unserviceable anymore. And then they just parked it at the end of a runway and let it rot. Yeah, yeah. So it's been brought back. And restored wow. by someone who restores Piper Cubs. Mm -hmm. It was well known to do it. And um, apparently one of the things that he had written to his wife was that they started shooting at him harder once he started taking out tanks. Yeah, yeah. That makes and sense. That, they were, you know, that he was taking small arms fire. And when they restored the plane, they actually found bullet holes Jeez. in the plane from somebody on the ground shooting up at him. Yeah, 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 yeah. And the plane has been brought back to the United States and restored, and it's at a museum. Hmm. And it's in a museum in Massachusetts, I hear. Uh-huh. Oh, wow, wow. Probably you guys so, got to take a road trip. Yeah, we got to do a road trip and go check this thing out. Probably. And he had, on the side of the plane, he had art drawn on it, which was appropriate for the era. Yes, Betty, uh oh, there goes the. Uh, he's saying Betty, uh, Betty Bazooka. Ladies and gentlemen, okay. I, I do have to leave, unfortunately. Uh oh. Uh, uh, um, Raven, great to see you back. Yes. And one, one, tell X I'm looking forward to seeing him again. <laughs> so, so good night, all. Switch. All right. All right. I, now, well, listen, we, we, we're going to wrap it up anyway, Switchy, okay? So, okay. why don't we do right. that, okay? My internet's so, back. So, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Anyway, so listen, uh, thank you to everyone listening to us tonight. We really appreciate Thanks, Cindy Bailey Dog, and also the mysterious Ashley G. And uh, thank you, uh, thank you, Juan Juan, for joining us for Crafts Puzzle. Puddle, we know that you're a busy guy. Thank you. Go have some fish and chips now, Juani. There he is. He's smoking. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Juan. He's thank you, Al. About the fish and chips. Yeah, okay. Thank. Wow, wow, wow. <laughs> he, he got a delayed reaction. <laughs> now I know how the Patriots felt the other night. Thank you, Al, for well, joining hey, no us. No problem. Sorry the internet kept crapping out on That's me. okay. We're used to it. It's fun. Uh, thank you, uh, Raven. Thank you. <laughs> wow. What thank a, you so much for having me. What this a week. Great. To, what a week to come back, huh? <laughs> it's a perfect week to come back. Well, uh, thank you, Club. We appreciate it. You can have your jelly donut now, man. Look at this. Oh, oh so he's got his donuts. He's ready to go. That's yeah, bad. And the glaze. From this entertaining yeah. show. High dipped. High yeah, dipped. I'll, I'll see you at uh, Hooters tomorrow. There you go. Hooters. Hey, yeah, I want a Hooters biscuit. Tooters. Whoa, whoa. Tooters. 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 Who biscuit? Oh, thank you. <laughs>
<laughs> Thank you to everyone listening. And uh, uh, Homestrad Troops, very quick, Homestrad Troops, just go on uh, Google and see what they're about. Uh, they're an organization that raises money for our veterans, uh, disabled veterans from post-9-11 action, uh, the Afghan war, and also the Iraqi war. And these are folks who came home missing a limb or whatever, and Homestrad Troops builds them home, adapted to their needs, uh, that means uh, low counter space, not a lot of stairs, and so on and so forth. When they're done, they give them the mor- they rip up the mortgage, they rip up the mortgage, they give them the keys. They it's their house forever. They don't have to uh, worry about that mortgage payment every month, and then they can go out and lead uh, normal lives. I hate to use it that way, but that's what happens. Uh, they gave a lot to us, so we should uh, give a lot to them. Homeless for our troops, please Google them. And we were saying earlier. If any of our listeners donate more than 20 bucks, put it in the note that you uh, heard us talking about on Max Show, and we'll give you, send you an autograph copy of um, a Mac Maloney book. A Mac Maloney book. A Mac Maloney book. A Mac Maloney book. Hey, Switch, just keep your legs crossed. Well, hang on. What's going on? Anyway. Now he is getting personal. There you go. Wow. And I think that's you, it. You leave my legs out of this, pal. All right. We'll, we'll be glad to. Hey. I, I started showing something here real quick. Hold on. Let's no, wait, wait. Hey, um, no, no, no. We, what is see that? This here? No, what is that? Tell us. Yeah, <laughs> These are glazed Twinkie. These oh, we were, were talking about uh, bangers, bongers, bumpers. Those are called bouncers. bouncers. And um, Club had them on a couple of weeks ago. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they were at uh, Stop and Shop on sale for two ninety nine. Oh yeah, man. I yeah, they're ones. not selling very well. Oh, that's good yeah. though. I'll buy them up. The I mini a, Twinkies. I had, a, I had a box of them, and uh, that's it. I had diarrhea that's for right. three days. Hey, Switchy. Oh, oh, and with, and with <laughs> that, with I'll that, see you switch. next week. Switch has to go. Last thing. Okay. I, have a, uh, I have a hawk living in my in my yard. Okay. Hang on. Yeah, this was a pigeon that didn't quite. That was he eating Twinkies? It. Was he eating Twinkies? Put that, that's awful, man. Putting that up. Okay. So, listen. We got to go. I want to thank everyone for uh, listening. We really appreciate it. We do have a show coming up in a couple of weeks um, where we'll be talking about this book that Mark Zapool and I have written called How to Dump a Body at Sea and Not Get Caught. Uh, we're going to have our agent on, maybe the publisher. People who have read it are going to call in and ask us questions. It's going to be um, a laugh riot, guaranteed. And um, I think that is it. Other than to say that I have to say this every week, we have to remember John McCain was not a loser. You know what I mean? John McCain was a war hero. He was someone we could look up to, okay. Had not, you know, and and he was a disabled war veteran, and these are people that you don't make fun of; you honor them. So it's really crazy this year, but you have to stop and think and know that John McCain was a war hero, not someone he was not a loser. Anyway, so this is Mac for the rest of the gang saying, until you hear us next time. What is it? Oh, be safe, be happy, and bye-bye. And now, please stay tuned for a bonus segment of Mac Maloney's Military X-Files show. Darkness in the blackest black on the road to nowhere 
There's no turning back Love reached out and touched me Stopped me in my tracks Cross my heart Cause it's true I'm nothing without you Cross my heart Cause it's true
been so long since I've seen her face. I pray she's doing fine. I still recall our sad last day. How it hurts so bad to see her cry. I didn't want to say goodbye Send her my love Memories remain Send her my love Roses never
Hey, Mac Maloney fans, this is Pistol Pete with some exciting news. Mac has a new book coming out later in January called How to Dump a Body at Sea and Not Get Caught. Is that a crazy title or what? Well, wait till you read what's inside. Now, Mac and his co-writer, Mark Zapula, wanted everyone to know that radio show fans and everyone else, too, can pre-order the book right now on Amazon. And if you do, you'll get $2 off the list price. That's $2 off the list price of Mac and Mark's new book, How to Dump a Body at Sea and Not Get Caught. Now, Mac gave me an advanced copy of the book, and I've got to tell you, it's one of the funniest things I've ever read. It reminded me of The Sopranos, but with a laugh track. And get this, they both swear it's all true. That's How to Dump a Body at Sea and Not Get Caught, the new true crime novel from Mac Maloney and Mark Zappola. Order now and get $2 off on Amazon.